and welcome to The Truth Will Not Be Silence, the show that allows people to be seen, to be heard, and to be human. I'm your host, Melissa Woodfork-White. In today's episode, we will talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion with Dr. Juliet Nelson. Sharing our stories allows us to be seen, to be heard, and to be human. There will be a special surprise at the end of the show. Be sure to listen all the way through for the details. Our special guest today is Dr. Juliet Nelson. She is an industrial and organizational psychologist, educator, entrepreneur, and published author. She received her Bachelor's of Science, Business Administration and Management, and Master's in Business Administration MBA from Mount St. Mary College, and her PhD in Industrial Organizational Psychology from Capella University. Dr. Nelson is a certified diversity professional, CDP. She is founder and CEO of Junori. And I do apologize, Dr. Nelson, did I say that right? You got it, Junori, yes. Thank you, the owner of Junori Publishing and the CEO of- Nuri Lens. Nuri Lens, thank you so much. With a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, Dr. Nelson leverages research and data to identify and implement solutions that foster a safe workplace for individuals working at all levels in their organizations. She is intentional about being an agent of motivation, inspiration, and encouragement to the world around her. Dr. Nelson is going to share with us about diversity, equity, inclusion. Hi, Dr. Nelson. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It's an honor. Thank you. So let's get right to it. What is diversity, equity, and inclusion? I want you to break this down for us. Give us the definitions, the history, and the research. And then I want you to tell us how you got involved in this field. Right. So, um, and I'm going to try to keep it brief. Um, DEI, diversity, um, is basically the variability, right, in in people and things. Um, um, when we look from a people focus, of course, if you're looking in a workplace, it's the variability in um, employees in the workplace. Um, and it's not only limited to gender and race, it's not limited solely to age. You know, you can have someone who's a spouse, someone who's a parent, someone who's taking care of an aging parent, um, someone who's a student, right? Someone who's interested in sports, someone who identifies with a a certain religion or a faith. Um, And so there are different levels to what we consider diversity, right? Um, When we're looking at equity, it's really providing the resources, tools, um, and opportunities in a fair way so that people can all achieve an equal outcome, right? Um, And it's important to distinguish equity from equality, right? Because when we know historically we had um, clauses, for example, separate but equal, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, everybody has a classroom to go to, but when we're talking equity, do they have the same learning materials? Do they have the same financial opportunities to get an education in these classrooms, right? When we were talking the differences between African-American students and Caucasian students. So that's where we have equity. And then inclusion, it's really 
creating opportunities so that people are involved, right? Um, and so that they experience a sense of belonging. There is a difference between inclusion and belonging. Inclusion is the effort on the part of the entity or the organization. Belonging is the result of that, right? That's the mm -hmm. feeling that your employee or the individual experiences. And I like to say, this is something I, I, I'm, I like to mention, and it may not be a conventional thing, right? Um, and I can understand why, but we have to ensure that even while we're addressing um, issues with privilege and disprivilege, right? Mm -hmm. We are not stripping the sense of belonging for from those in those positions of privilege, right? Mm -hmm. We want to ensure that, of course, with equity, we're giving a seat at the table to other groups that have not been included, but at the same time, we don't want to do it by stripping mm -hmm. the sense of belonging from those who've always been there. It's a natural human feeling for you to be afraid of of losing or or getting this new sense of normal that that's been so far into you it's a natural human feeling but how do we um transition that without making people feel that they don't matter anymore right mm -hmm. because that's where you get a concept called the zero sum ratio where you're taking from one group just to give to another group but you're still now resulting in inequity right mm -hmm. for another group so that's how i would um define dei of course um, the field um, of DEI kind of started more from an affirmative action perspective, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Where we're just creating these programs um, that that are just giving opportunity to people. And then it causes another group of people to feel disgruntled because they feel like, hey, for example, if we're giving opportunities to Black folks, right? Oh, well, they don't deserve it, right? And this now evolved a little bit to say, no, Black people, people of color, people with disabilities, um, people who identify with a different sexual orientation or gender identity, et cetera, et cetera, people who may identify with a different faith, but may not practice the way the traditional person practices, right? They have something to contribute to, right? Um, they also have something to contribute. They have lived experiences. They have value that they can contribute based on those lived experiences. And those are worth acknowledging. And so um, affirmative action has really now when we're looking at DEI, it's it's transitioned into DEIA, mm -hmm. diversity, inclusion, bear with me, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility, right? Yes. Accessibility, including people with differing abilities is what I like to call it, right? We have DEIB, where we have belonging. We have DEIJ, where we have justice. So there are different um different ways that DEI, the field has evolved, right? Mm -hmm. And we have people kind of tailoring it in different ways. Um, now there's a big focus on innovation, right? And when we see globalization and cultural diffusion, which means, you know, the different blending of cultural ideas and values across borders. Now we have social media, you know, back then probably there was like a horse that had to bring a telegram, right? Yeah. And then that kind of evolved <laughs> into phones and then that kind of evolved into email, right? Yeah. Now you get things at your fingertips, you know, there's the WhatsApp culture and, and messengers and so on and so forth. So you can meet and collaborate and engage with people across borders. Now we have 
you know, a, a remote workforce that has expanded the opportunity for people who may not have had opportunities to um, provide value in an organization to provide that value. So with that being said, that also brings the innovation. And that's really the evolution and the growth of ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And the ability to make impacts in so many different ways. We have the term disruption, right? Coming up with these concepts and these tools that really impact consumers and customers internally and externally across industries and across the globe. And so when you have diversity, when you have equity, when you have inclusion, you're not only attracting a more talented workforce, but you are also um, you're also, you know, attracting more customers. You're also appealing to a diverse customer base. You know, now there's more power in the hands of the employee and the consumer, right? Mm -hmm. Because consumers, we want to be able to identify. We want to be able to spend our dollars with companies that we identify in some way, shape or form with, right? Um, and with that being said, now there's also the question is, I don't want to identify with a company that doesn't treat their employees right. 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 Um, I don't want to identify with a company that gives out all these big diversity statements, but, oh, you know, 70 percent. I'm going I'm to say hold that one right there. <laughs> OK, we okay. get to the next question. Uh, right. But so yeah. basically you you find that all ties into how all to say how D.E.I.A.B.J. all of that has really evolved over time. Um, and so that's that. kind of how I would define it. Um, and how I got into the field, honestly, DEI is, is kind of like my life's work. It wasn't always this, this concept. Um, I am a child of immigrants. Uh, my parents are Haitian American. My parents are ha born in Haiti. Um, I am first generation Haitian American. So like, I'm, I'm very proud of my parents of just, just, and I'm, I'm also honored to, to really come from the seed and come from the lineage of the first, you know, the, the group, this group of people who were like, no, we are not going to be enslaved. We're not going to play by your games anymore. And they became the first black independent republic um, in the Caribbean and around the world, you know? And so I stand proud to do that. I think when I went into the field of industrial and organizational psychology, I was, I was just remaining prayerful and, and saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to enjoy every season that I'm in. So I worked on the business side of things. I worked in sales. I managed a strategic contract for the federal government. Um, and it, you know, it, it was an unfortunate situation that turned into something beautiful. I, my job was impacted from a reduction in force. Mm -hmm. And I think that was where I had to be made uncomfortable. And I kind of put my application out to other positions, other roles in the organization. And I landed in diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm and it has And so, okay. <laughs> and so I'm going to say you've given us a lot of information to think about. Absolutely. And so just from the definition of diversity, yes. equity, and inclusion, and then you've also taught us about how it has expanded from just yes. diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so yes. with that being said, we need to move into our next question. Sure. And sure. so what is diversity, equity, and inclusion? Why? I'm sorry. Why okay. is diversity, equity, and inclusion important for fostering a safe workplace? So this is where you're going to share with us what it looks like in the workplace and what it doesn't look like in the workplace. Right. And then you're also going to give us your professional recommendations. Sure. So what it looks like, um, ooh, what does DEI? Well, you kind of touched on it in the like first in the question. So let when me you... give you, right. So let me give you this concept. 
Um, and this is their two concepts that really drive, or probably three, that drive, have driven um, some of my dissertation research um, and drive kind of um, my purpose um, and just all the things that I do. There's something called psychological safety, right? It is your perception of safety. Um, they have uh, the, one of the founding fathers of humanistic psychology, Abraham Maslow, he came up with um, the hierarchy of needs, right? These are the different things that people need so that they can perform and achieve self-actualization. So that is basically a concept of almost like a sense of complete fulfillment, holistic fulfillment, right? Mm -hmm. And at the bottom, you have these basic needs. It can be food, water, shelter, and, and a feeling, again, of safety, right? But again, you can have food, water, shelter, but do you perceive yourself, right? Psychologically, do you perceive it? Do you feel it? Do you experience it? And I think at its core, DEI work is important because the outcome becomes psychological safety. And when employees feel safe, that mean, that looks like them being able to be their authentic selves, right? We always say, oh, well, we separate business and personal. And I understand, right, the reasons why we say separate business and personal. However, if I get pulled over by a cop on my drive and my commute to work, that is not no separation of business and personal, right? Because I have to bring my full self to work. That impacts, there's the work to home conflict and the home to work conflict that impacts how I now step into the workplace. In the same sense, if the workplace is now not conducive for me as a human being, right? It it impacts that level of psychological safety. And then, and so DEI, DEIA, what I like to focus on, um, that's where you really look at the data, right? Look at your workforce demographic data mm -hmm. and consider the different dynamics you have in your workforce. And, and that's part of the work that I do as an IO psychologist, where, you know, for example, you're, we're not always going to say, oh, well, this person needs more training. This person needs more training. Is there a specific way that employees learn, right? That you're not fulfilling that need that impacts their psychological, their feeling of psychological safety, but that also goes into the diversity, right? And the different, um, the, the different levels that make people who they are. Um, I know we speak about um, intersectionalities, right? And that was a concept developed by um, Kimberly Crenshaw Williams, right? Where it it's like, okay, I'm not just impacted by the Black experience. I'm impacted by other nuances, right? That make me who I am, right? And that also ties into how we step into the workplace and how we perceive ourselves relative to other people. And so all to say, that's that's really why it's, it's extremely, extremely important. And as I'd mentioned before, that's where it ties into innovation, right? Where there's now this focus on globalization, cultural diffusion, innovation. If I'm in a safe space to create, to produce, to think, to contribute, if I feel like I matter now, you know, I'm able to contribute to better outcomes for the business. And they do say this, when you treat your employees right, they're going to treat those customers right. Mm -hmm. And your employees are your first customers. Yes. So it's important in, it's important, um, it's important to really consider the different dynamics that make them who they are. And I think even when we look at um, our uh, white males, right, we research has also always focused on them as the more privileged group. Mm -hmm. But what if we started to have this conversation with them to say, listen, you are diverse too. The fact that you're a dad, the fact that you might have had a learning disability, the fact that you know, you have an aging parent, the fact that you grew up in a certain time that contributes to your diversity. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you are human, right? 
we're human too. You're diverse and we're diverse. And, and once you're able to look at me as a human being, there's a level of empathy that you have to have for me. The fact that you were able to get this job opportunity and I work as hard, if not twice as hard as you did right. and I didn't, it should make you feel uncomfortable. It should make you feel uncomfortable that I, a human being, right, who has diversity and you have diversity, have not been able to get the a fair chance at competing, a fair chance at being considered, a fair chance at being included, right? And so that's how having these conversations surrounding DEIA allows for us to now grow and evolve in our organizations. It allows, it contributes to the bottom line. It helps us make money. It helps us save money. It helps us contribute to our organization, uh, organizational objectives and of course, serve our customers, whoever they may be. Well, I will tell you this, um, and you touched on this in the first question, right. is that how posting it and putting it in your employment handbook and putting it yes. in your break room, Embedding it in does the it make you equal? And, I, and I'm seeing that to be like, you know, they always put in the EEOC. We are a, mm -hmm. and you know the blurb, right? Right. We're an equal and it, employment and just, opportunity. And it's just fashionable. Equal and so now they're doing the same thing with DEI. They're right. putting that in our employee handbooks and posting it. Right. And it's just fashionable, meaning that right. there's no action behind it. Right. And so and I wanted you to talk about the recommendations. How do our safe or how we make those safe and work environments, not job, not our employees just posting these because they look right. good or make them look good or right. just saying that that's what we do. What actions need to be taken? you said already they need to have a conversation. Right, right, right. And so what else? Well, here's what I would first say. First and foremost, let's talk about the statements. <laughs> I, and, and I don't want to speak on behalf of all black employees or West Indian employees or uh, people who are second generation, first, second generation immigrant or, or female or whatever. Um, let's not put the statements because I think what happens and, and I think, and I think a lot of us need to understand oftentimes statements from organizations, it's just because we need to save our dollars. We need to save our customers. We need to save face, mm -hmm. right? Because there's a lot of stuff that's, that's not working internally. And you know that, and you know, people are not going to press you. Save the statements, especially because your employees are watching, right? And they're going to have an issue with it. So save it. If you're ready to have those difficult conversations, if you're ready to confront, right, those unconscious biases, if and when you are ready, then make those statements and be very authentic. Be okay with acknowledging, hey, we didn't get it right, right? We didn't get it right. And we're willing to take the steps to learn. And us, right, on the sides of inequity, we have to also make space for that grace, right? As frustrating as it may be, if there's an acknowledgement that, listen, we didn't get this right, and we want to have those conversations, let's at least be willing to accept that first step. Because you can't turn over 400 years of trauma, 400 plus years yes. of trauma mm -hmm. and, and, and injustice in a month. You can't do it in a week. And I think sometimes we expect that. And it's a human, it's a human uh, thing to want to expect that, but it takes time, right? Well, so that's I, number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, I would say is really look at the data. Look at the workforce demographic data, right? Look at the customers that you're serving. Your workforce should reflect the customers well, and the communities that right you serve. You also, right look at the civilian workforce, right? Civilian, I know working for the federal government, that's one of the benchmarks that we, we use. 
does our workforce reflect the civilian workforce, right? And then let's look at, because again, everybody's making the, oh, equal employment opportunity, equal opportunity employer statements, mm -hmm. right? Let's look at the progression. We say, oh, we are one of the highest, um, the largest uh, uh, employers of, of Afri Black and African-American employers, mm -hmm. uh, Black or African-American employees and women. But are they all concentrated in the field? Mm -hmm. Or do we have them represented in leadership? You know, when you're when you're giving these anti-racism trainings, okay, mm -hmm. it, perhaps it's a predominantly Caucasian school, but are you bringing in those people who have experienced racism or who are like who've lived it and who can really be experts in speaking to it? Are we bringing them in the room? Right? Be willing yes. to not not only share the space, but perhaps allow somebody else to speak on these topics without feeling like they might treat you like you probably have treated them. Well, Dr. Juliet, let me tell you this. Um, I have always fought for everything that you're talking about because my thing is, is that if you write that in my employee handbook, I'm going to ask you what are the actions or steps that you take mm -hmm. to make sure that this is money where your mouth is. Place. I am that employee. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. And then not right. only that, I'm gonna, I'm, I have um, no names or anything like that. No names. But one of the employers that I worked for, they started a DEI committee, right? Mm -hmm. a lot I of applied them. to be on the DEI committee. I have experience with DEI right. and I gave them my full background and they did not select me. Not one person that looked like me was on was that on DEI committee. Yeah. And I'm like, how are you gonna have diversity, equity, inclusion, and you're not even including people of color. Right, right, right. You're not including black people. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'm just like, yeah, that's that, that's, I'm so glad that you talked about those recommendations. Right. Because they are very important. And so right. with that being said, oh my gosh, you have a, a wealth of knowledge, experience, expertise, and Yes, I just thank you for sharing that all with us on today. You have Absolutely. really broken this down and I appreciate the recommendations that you have made. So this leads us into our final question and we're going to we're going to cut this one a little bit short. So okay. how does sharing your story today help others? So just briefly just tell us about your current and future plans. We know that you have multiple businesses if you want to share right. with us about your book. Honestly, I will say just in, in short, my purpose in life, and this is what drives my work, is to really empower people and create safe spaces for people to be their authentic selves and to achieve the highest standards of their purpose. I say purpose because that's something that's assigned to you. It can't be taken from you. And it looks like so many different things, no matter what season you are, you can fulfill your purpose as a mother, a father, a sister, a brother, a, you know, a leader, a coworker. Leadership also does is not always assigned to a title versus potential, which is assigned to a specific look, a specific title, a specific name. And so in all of that, I just, I, I seek to inspire people um, and really encourage them to be the best version of themselves. We should always be willing to learn. We still, we should always be learning, willing to evolve. Right. And that's where that psychological safety comes in, where we all need a safe space to do so. Um, with my book, it's sharing my lens, the college experience, and it really just shares some of the gems that I wish little me, uh, high school graduating Juliet, um, needed before going into college um, and, and really 
you know, the important thing for me, I think the highlight was having a black girl on the cover of that book, a black girl, my hair was red yes. at the time. So a black girl yes. with red hair, um, because, you know, sometimes that's the one thing that's going to make another little black girl, another little black boy pick up that book and say, hey, that person looks like me, I'm interested, and really giving them some of those gems and those tools. Um, with And students beyond that, um, to really to really um, be impactful in the world around them. And so that that really summarizes my life's work. It, it summarizes what I do and what drives what I do. Um, you know, I have a number of companies. I have an eyewear company. I have a publishing company, et cetera, et cetera. But it really all surrounds encouraging people to be um, authentic, to step out as their best self, whatever that looks like. All right. So tell our audience how they can get in touch with you, how they can yes. learn more of about the work that you're doing and even Absolutely. um have you helped them in that area right so you can visit my website at julietnurinelson.com i know melissa is going to drop that link um in the description and you can have access to my socials um the other projects that i'm working in and the, working on as well as the work that i do well all right thank you so much dr juliet really really thankful for having you here on the show today thank you for and having oh me oh my goodness that's all I can say is like oh my goodness <laughs> this is very rich it's very deep and it goes further than this and so with that being said next week we'll continue to discuss and have conversations about real experiences personal and professional stories that need to be shared seen and heard that makes us human the truth will not be silenced to be seen to be heard and to be human the surprise, if you like and leave a positive comment about this show, you will get a shout out. This includes businesses, products, services, organizations, and events. This is a shout out to all of you who listen and watch this podcast weekly. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Following the link in the show notes, let's Buzzsprout know we sent you and help support our show. Buzzsprout is the best way to launch a professional podcast. Want to ask a question, be a guest, or subscribe to this podcast, The Truth Will Not Be Silenced, click on the show link. Thank you for joining us.